I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. The book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. We are going to start a series of messages out of this unusual book, Ecclesiastes. And we'll start in chapter number one as we're going to take a look at what this book is about and who wrote it. Kind of give you an introduction into a book that has written basically at the end of a life that started well but in the middle did not run well and now looking backwards in time sees a lot of things and so what we see here is first of all who wrote the book now he never identifies himself by name however it gives us an incredible amount of clues and let's just look at the chapter number one verse number one and you will see right away the words of the preacher okay now this is a Hebrew word and uh, it has the idea of the one who's going to be a collector of wisdom and he is going to spew it forth he's going to teach it he's going to give to these people this wisdom that he has so we kind of get from that word something there but then it says the son of David okay now we're in the lineage who is king in Jerusalem, okay? In the lineage of David, David had a son named Solomon. That was the son of David and Bathsheba. And so he reigned. It was Saul for 40 years, David for 40 years, and Solomon for 40 years. Now, that was the United Kingdom, all the tribes together. When Solomon was off the throne and he goes to the way of the the earth and dies we find that there's Rehoboam and Jeroboam and because of the contention there's a split and two tribes go with Rehoboam and ten go with Jeroboam and that begins the divided kingdom stage so we're looking at it and we see that the author of this book is a preacher and if you look at verse number 12 I the preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem in chapter number 7 and verse number 27, Behold, this have I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account. He's recalling a lot of things that he learned in his wisdom years, and he's trying to pass them on. Well, who was the wisest man that ever lived? And this is a book that has got a lot of sayings and a lot of these pithy things and proverbs and we know that solomon wrote most of the proverbs so it's really easy 
to see that this is a king. He's in Jerusalem. He's the son of David. Okay. Uh, he has built great projects in chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kinds. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. Uh, this sounds like Solomon. He built his fabulous house. He built the temple. He built the home for the, uh, the wife he got from Egypt. And, of course, we also know that he had 300 wives and 700 concubines and things that happened in his life in the middle. After all that wisdom and his great beginning and how he did, there came a point in time and God said, don't do that. They will turn your head. Don't, don't marry more than one. Then he also said, don't marry outside of this arena of Jews because they will turn your heart. And he did not listen to what he was said. He was definitely a builder of great projects. But he also said, I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possession of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. Does that sound like him? I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of kings and of provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. That's in chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Verse number 9, so I was great and increased more, think about that, than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Even though as time moved on, he did not apply that wisdom to live by the way he should have lived, and he let the worldliness of wisdom get in, he still retained that wisdom that he had. A lot of times, in the wisdom of this world, people who are big thinkers, people who have that mindset that they are constantly engaged in thought, they have a brilliant mind, spend a lot of time asking questions they cannot answer. And, and if you don't understand the, the element of this earth is just a part of of God's massive creation and that we're just a part of this hey you will think that this is the big deal and why do we exist and all this if we don't come back to God and see the reason why God says we exist then you really find life to be kind of meaningless and fruitless you're born whatever you do don't matter you're going to die and Solomon kind of says that what good is are these things and I'm jumping ahead I want to get to the theme that he starts out with. Chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Verse 2, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, what we're seeing here is the word singularly followed by plural. This just compounds it. So he's not just saying it like it's vain, but he's saying it's the vainest of all the vain. Vanity of vanities, of all the vanities. Now, this word is a word that has everything to do with the meaningless and the emptiness. It's empty. I'm saying to you, it is the emptiest of all the meaningless, of all the voidedness. It's all vanity. All of it. It 
doesn't work. He's looking back on his life, and he sees where he started. He sees what he did in the middle, and he sees where he's at, and he looks back, and he says, goodness, it was all vain. It was empty. It was meaningless, and it was the most empty and vain of all the veins. It is a vanity. What profit, verse 3, hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? We're going to deal with some of those words here in just a minute. But I do want to go back and tell you that there's some more verses that deal with this thought about vanity. And when we look at this theme of things are empty and vain, he said here, that there is a vainness, but he also said, if you look down in verse number 14, that it was not just vain, but it is vexation of spirit. When you see the word vexation of spirit, he is talking about the fact that it is a grass, there is vanity and grasping after these things. It's a vexation. It doesn't work. It's you're, you're, you're grasping at things. You're grabbing at things. And basically what it really, this word boils down to, is you are striving and grasping in your own efforts to attain something or to achieve something or to master something. And Solomon says it just isn't good. Chapter 2, verse 11, Then I looked at all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity, empty, meaningless, and vexatious spirit. It was, I was just vexing my spirit. I was grasping, and I wasn't obtaining. And there was no profit under the sun. We're going to deal with that in just a moment. Chapter 2, verse number 17, Therefore I hated life. Because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Verse 26. For God giveth to man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up. That he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Chapter 4. Verse 4, again, I considered all travail and every right work that for this a man is envied of his neighbor. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Verse 6, better is a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. Chapter 6, verse 9, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. In this book, we see all kinds of things that Solomon deals with in which he looks at it under the sun. Now, let's take a look at that phrase, under the sun. It occurs 29 times in the 12 chapters of the book of Ecclesiastes. 12 chapters, 29 times. These are the things that are done on this earth with no regard to the eternal. It is a horrible place to live when you don't have anything that makes sense beyond where we're at, beyond this veil of tears, as the songwriter said. The idea of this earthly life with no uh, 
thought of anything beyond it. Things only in this world. Your thought process and things that you do were simply based on this world. Nothing in the eternal. In fact, it's directly opposed to the eternal. It, wants, it doesn't believe the eternal, doesn't want the eternal, doesn't have anything to do with that. It, nothing that's done, that's done under the sun, reaches heaven. See, in the bank of heaven, when you bring things over to there, they don't rust, and the moth doesn't get in, it doesn't corrupt, and no one steals it and breaks through and takes it away. But the things that are done under the sun leave us with all kinds of moth rut and rust and decay and stealing and things. You can have a lot of money one minute, lose it the next. You can have money in your pocket, be robbed of it. You can have something that you have longed for, and over time, it will decay and break down. Uh, many, many times, we buy things. In fact, today, we actually are in a consumer-driven age today. When we were customers, they built products to last, and they wanted you to be a customer and come back for anything else you needed. But today, they're made kind of cheaply, and they break, and they just say, well, buy another one. Buy another one. And that's kind of what we're in a throwaway society. We've actually made it where it's more expensive to fix some things, if you don't know how to fix them yourself, than it is to just go buy the new one. And we've kind of been raising that mentality now compared to when I was raised that you just throw it away and you get another one under the sun. But that which we send to heaven, and you say, what do you send to heaven? When you take and you you're, spend your money for eternal things, that goes to heaven. When you witness to somebody about Jesus Christ, that goes into heaven. When someone gets saved, that goes into the bank of heaven. There are things that are put to your name. And God is not going to forget. He's not going to forget your work and labor of love that you have done in his name. There is a book that he writes in there. And one of those things that Malachi says he writes in is when we think on his name, he writes it down. He likes that. So we see under the sun. Solomon had not lived his whole life for God. In the beginning, oh, I can't do this. I can't go in and out and take care of these people. I, I need help. I need wisdom. God granted him that wisdom and said, now because you didn't ask of me for wealth and long life, I'm going to give it to you anyway. And so he, was, he gave it to him. But as he went through life and then he started marrying other ladies and then he had the concubines that he married and by the time he got a thousand uh, anniversaries to remember that ought to have been interesting all by itself and of course there was pharaoh's daughter and there was those that turned his his mind and his his heart from god and so he is now no longer living for god and he doesn't know if you look at his works and things that he did after that he was no longer looking at it from the heavenly perspective he was looking at it under the sun. I'm going to do this. I'm going to build. I'm going to work. I'm going to labor. I'm going to have money. I'm going to have women. I'm going to have wealth. I'm going to have all these things. But when it all boiled down to the end, he gets to the end of his life. He looks back and says, what good is it under the sun? Because I'm just going to die and leave all that to somebody else. That's crazy. And that's what he was saying. The hard facts, the hard facts, the tragedy in opposing the above the sun for the under the sun is that through the eternal, when you lay this life down, you have nothing. Paul said, I'm ready to go. The time of my departure is at hand. 
He said, henceforth is laid up for me a crown of glory, which the Lord shall give to them that love is appearing. He said, I've got crowns awaiting for me. Now, there's another word, and this word is the word labor. And this word is the Hebrew word that means to toil to the point of exhaustion and yet experience little or no fulfillment in the work. Now, the word labor occurs 21 verses. 21 verses, the word labor appears. And this incredible word work, the action of the labor, you're working, but you're not getting anywhere. The labor is not getting you where you thought it would be. So it's really easy to see when you combine under the sun, labor under the sun yields absolutely nothing. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. But the work done above the sun, that will be the work that will last. That'll be the work that'll be rewarded. That'll be the work that moves the hand of God to reach people. So we see that Solomon has a situation and he's now looking back on time saying, in my latter life, I have come to this conclusion. We need to heed above the sun. In fact, when Solomon ends the book, it's two of my favorite verses in this hard book of hard knocks. The last two verses says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And we'll get to this when we get to the end of the book. But I just want to tell you, when he, when he looks back at everything he said in this incredibly strange book that Solomon wrote, he said, let's just hear the end of it. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. There it is. So when we look at this book, we see that there is a need for him to explain to people, I am the proof that the way I lived is meaningless. Don't live your life meaningless. If you get anything out of the study of Ecclesiastes, you need to get the fact you don't want to live life meaningless. Here's some facts you need to recognize. Number one, all that are born die. You remember the famous passage that people love to quote in the book of Ecclesiastes over in chapter number three, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. There it is. One and one die until the rapture. And then everybody that's a Christian leaves. And the rest of them are in that spiritual death mode because they rejected Jesus Christ. We do not live in this body forever. And you can thank God for that because when he expelled Adam and Eve out of the garden, he did not want them to eat of the tree of life because when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if they ate of the tree of life, this body would have died and it would have decayed and it would have gone downhill and you would hurt. And with every, whatever disease you got or had at the end of your life, the middle of your life, whenever it is, you would have it forever and forever as it went down, but you would never die. God fixed that. 
There is a time to be born and a time to die. But I remind you that if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born physically into this world, which if we all are that are here, then you don't trust Christ as Savior. You will die physically and spiritually. Death in the Bible is separation. It is not cessation. It is separation. When you die physically, then you're separated from this address into a different one. For us, we will be separated into a glorified body until that time will be in a building of God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And the others will be separated into a body that will be like they had eaten the tree of life. They will feel the horrors, the torments that that rich man said, the torments of hell. They will feel it forever and forever and forever, but the body will not cease. It will continue to feel that pain. It will not stop. They will not be able to say, I want to cease existing. It will not happen. There is a time to be born and a time to die. If you're born twice, spiritually is the second one. The new birth, the second birth. I've had a birth I can't remember and one I can't forget, the songwriter said. And we then die once. Our soul is separated from this address until God raises it up incorruptible and puts us back in a brand new, glorified, immortal, undefiled, and incapable of being marred body. Amen. That is a thing you need to take away from this book. Secondly, therefore, based on that, everything we do needs to be above the sun. It needs to be a heavenly view. We're working on earth, but we're working from a heavenly perspective, which simply means this. Let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. Okay, that is a world that we need to see. We need to see it God's way. We need to see it in heaven's eyes. If we don't, we'll get discouraged. You see, the problem is we don't always understand what God's up to. So we have to get up to his perspective. If we don't, you know what's going to happen? We're going to end up being discouraged, depressed, upset, mad, irritated, irked. I mean, you know, that's just some of the things that's going to happen. The songwriter really put it this way, and I love the words of this. Let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. A men who don't want you, Lord, but a men for whom you died. Oh, let me rise above my petty problems and look through your eyes and see you just like you want me to see you and see this world just exactly like you want me to see this world. Labor, work, under the sun. This are the things that he is bringing. Now, he comes to this and he gives a sermon. Uh, uh, the preacher preaches a sermon and he teaches his class through this sermon the vanity of vanities of being under the sun. And he goes and says, anything done under the sun is vanity and vexation of spirit. Work, it's vanity. Your wisdom is vain if it's under the sun. You remember James, there was the worldly wisdom that was, you know, devilish and wicked. There was the heavenly wisdom. There is a difference. Wisdom, work, women, they didn't help him. They hurt him. 
I mean, it did not do him any good when he violated God's law. We are violating God's law in the natural order of God's purpose of marriage and family. And in doing so, we are paying a price, not just because what what God's going to do, but because people are internally in turmoil and can't get the right kind of help. And then not only is there the work, the wisdom, and the women, but then he had to think about the wicked versus the righteous. And he said, here's throughout my scene. I've seen wicked people who have been praised when righteous people were not. He said, I've seen the righteous taken care of. I've seen the righteous who have gone along and they have been praised, but I've seen it flip-flop. And sure enough, the psalmist said, you know, there's a lot of people that are ungodly that seem to prosper, but you got to remember their end. You got to remember that their end is different. They're doing everything under the sun, and it looks like they're a Solomon by every imagination that we look at, by every verse we look at, by every stretch of our mind trying to think of the wealth and the things he built and the labor. Wow, to be like, whoa, wouldn't you like to have that? And yet Solomon says, under the sun, it was vanity, it was worthless, it was meaningless. And he said, I've seen wicked people do the same thing, and they've been praised, but yet they don't realize they're going to get their end at the end. In fact, he actually comes to this conclusion at the end when he says these things. He understands that God will someday judge all the deeds that people do. That is going to happen. God will judge. Just hang in there. There, God is going to judge. There's no way anybody is going to get away with anything. It may look like it. It may seem like it. And let me just say something to you here, Christian. Sometimes when we know we've done wrong and yet we don't have anything happen right away, we think, oh, I got away with it. No, you didn't. God will chastise whenever he wants to. And I've learned through my Bible study and personal experience that when I do say think something that is against the spirit of God there is an incredible mm, conviction of the spirit of God and then what happens is I need to get right right then if I don't that conviction eventually will turn to chastening because if you're a child of God you will be chastened and when that happens then you wish you would have gotten right when he convicted you of it And if you won't get right then, he's going to keep chasing you. And it may be a severe punishment because you didn't heed the conviction and the beginning chastening. Be careful about saying, I got away with it. Well, we're going to dig into this book next time. We're going to see where he goes from chapter number 1 to chapter number 12 and where we end up. Solomon's old. He talks about his old age in chapter 12. And he is now saying at the end of my life, this is is what I look back, and this, in my wisdom, is what I found to be true. Father, help us to see clearly that when we get to the end of life and look back, we don't want to have this kind of regrets. We don't want to be upset with where we lived in the middle of our life. We may have started well, but did we run all the way well? And if not, can we get back on the track now before it's everlasting too late to get those things in place and be like Solomon, very irritated with where he was in life? Encourage us in this study, we pray in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. 
This is Pastor Walton praying that you have an absolutely wonderful and awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.